Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray first. Father, we, we look to you now because here we are, Lord, in front of your tabernacle. This is not man's idea, this was your idea, Lord. And we do pray that, Lord, that, uh, that the truths that come out to us through your word would just dovetail with the message of the tabernacle and Yom Kippur and pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, we're gonna continue here and you're gonna set the backdrop by again going with Abraham into this chapter here feeling what Abraham felt, feeling what Isaac felt, just getting right into it here. Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22, verse 1, where we read, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. 
Now, this chapter here, you know, you're reading along in the book of Genesis, and, 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 and it's one interesting story after another. It's, or I shouldn't say story. What am I saying? It's one interesting account after the other, one interesting history after the other. And you run across this certain phrase that, that, that comes all the time in the book of Genesis, and that phrase is, it came to pass. You read continually about, it came to pass, it came to pass. And every time we read something like that, it came to pass, we just sort of sit back and say, okay, good, here's going to be interesting account, something I didn't know before. You know, we learned something. And so, you know, we're, we're, it, we're and this chapter starts with these words, and it came to pass. So it kind of catches us off guard when we read these words in verse one, and it says it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And the minute we read that, there's a tension in the air. There's a tension. And, he, and, and we, we say, okay, this is gonna be an account like no other account. We hold on to our seats as we read in verse two that he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him up there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. And we read that and we say, did we read that right? Did we get that right? Did God really command his friend Abraham to offer his beloved son Isaac as a burnt offering? Was God really telling Abraham to kill his son and burn him up as a burnt offering? And immediately when we read this, we feel the tension, but also we feel the question that the Lord Jesus asked Peter at that time. Not quite the same, but there was Peter, there was the Lord, wonderful time together, whole pile of delicious fish that they had cooked there right in front of them. Everything is so great, it's a wonderful time. And then all of a sudden in John 21, 15, John 21, 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, I don't know about Peter. For me, that would have been a hard question. All this food here? But right away, there's a tension. There's a tension in the air with this question. Do you love me more? Do you love me more? That's always the question that God has for us. How much do you love me? Do you love me more than whatever you have your heart set on? You can't, that was the test for Billy Graham. Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist who preached to more people than anybody else, and he was engaged to be married to a girl he dearly loved. And it became apparent to Billy Graham that that girl was not God's choice for Billy Graham. And that was when Billy Graham had his question, do you love me more than that girl? And Billy Graham describes the night when he went to her house and told her that he had to break off the engagement And Billy Graham tells how he cried all the way back home after that. But that night, Billy Graham proved that he loved God more than that girl. And then God brought Ruth into Billy Graham's life and and she became his wife. And then God entrusted to him, as I just mentioned, the, the, the greatest crowds that an evangelist had ever preached to. All because Billy Graham passed that test, lovest thou me more than that girl. And you and I need to think tonight, who is it, what is it that we love the most in life? And what if it was that God said to us, give her, give him, give her, give it up for me? That's what this chapter is all about. This chapter is all about, for Abraham, it was Isaac. And for Abraham, the test was, Abraham, do you love, lovest thou me more than Isaac? For Abraham, it was just like the hymn, we didn't sing it tonight, but there's a hymn that says, fade, fade, each earthly joy, Jesus is mine. Break every tender tie, Jesus is mine. 
Dark is the wilderness. Earth has no resting place. Jesus alone can bless. Jesus is mine. Tempt not my soul away. Jesus is mine. Here would I ever stay. Jesus is mine. Perishing things of clay, born but for one, but for one brief day, pass from my heart away. Jesus is mine. Farewell, ye dreams of night. Jesus is mine. Lost in the dawning bright. Jesus is mine. All that my soul has tried, left but a dismal void. Jesus has satisfied. Jesus is mine. And then at the end of life, this hymn goes on and says, farewell mortality. Jesus is mine. Welcome eternity. Jesus is mine. Welcome, oh loved and blessed. Welcome sweet scenes of rest. Welcome my Savior's breast. Jesus is mine. That's what it was for Abraham. For Abraham, this was fade, fade Isaac. Jehovah Jesus is mine. And we followed him along in this matter-of-fact description in these verses from three to six as he's moving with this eager determination. And each step, as we read about this, it's passionless. There's no passion in it as he prepares to kill his son and offer him as a burnt offering. But we felt how Abraham resisted that flood of emotion that would come. And we saw that it reached its peak. That flood reached its peak when Abraham heard his son speak to him in verse seven. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire, the wood, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? When Isaac said that to Abraham, my father, those were melting words for Abraham. For Abraham to hear that and we can see him torn and saying, how can he call me my father? I'm about to become his murderer. And when we looked at Isaac, and we understood this, that, that long before Isaac ever asked this question, where's the lamb? He knew. He knew that he was the lamb. We understood that Isaac was feeling absolutely drained and weak, completely weak, with knowing he's going to be the sacrifice. And with that feeling of weakness, we understood where did Isaac get his strength to go on in this plan for him to be the sacrifice And we can see in verse seven that Isaac derived his strength from Abraham. He says to Abraham, my father, and Abraham responds, my son, here am I. And we understand that from that tender, one of the most tender there, how Isaac was drawing out of Abraham his strength and his confidence. Just like the Lord Jesus drew out of God the Father his strength and his confidence Isaac loved everything to please Abraham, even if it meant giving up his life to enable Abraham to obey God and offer him as an offering. And twice in this chapter, twice, we have this phrase, verse six and verse eight, they went both of them together. They went yachad. They became united, Abraham and Isaac. And that phrase that, that, Abraham was, that, that Isaac was willing to become the lamb is all summed up in that they went both of them together. That means that Isaac was willing to be the lamb. But it was Isaac's question to Abraham that's the cry of Judaism today, the Judaism that celebrates Yom Kippur. And that question is, verse seven, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And today, as we focus on this time of Yom Kippur, which means the day of covering, that's what Kippur means. It means the day of covering for sin. It's the blood of the lamb that is God's covering for sin. And it's Isaac's searching question that's heard in Judaism today. Where is the lamb? Where is the blood? 
Where is the blood of the lamb for an offering? Is the lamb really replaced by my prayers to God? No. Then where's the lamb? Is the lamb really replaced by the sacrifice of my good works to God? No. Then where is the lamb? Is the lamb really replaced by all my promises and my vows that I make to God in a certain part of the Yom Kippur service called the all vows part, kol, all, nidre, vow, vows? Is that really it? No, no. Then where's the lamb? And to that question, Abraham responds in verse 8. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them, yichad. They went both of them together. And when he said that, Abraham was telling Isaac, Isaac, we must offer the sacrifice that God has appointed to be offered. God will provide this sacrifice. That's exactly what Moses wrote in, in, in Leviticus 17.11. Leviticus 17.11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God said this, I have given it to you. I have provided it for you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. God said that it was the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Nothing but the blood, only the blood, not prayers, not good works, not vows, only the blood. And God said that his appointed blood, his provided blood was absolutely necessary. It was absolutely essential. I, and he said, I provided it for you. Leviticus 17, 11, I have given it to you upon the altar. And so God gave to Israel the blood that they needed to make an atonement for the soul. And God provided this blood in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as the necessary blood for the forgiveness of sins. Without the blood, this year's Yom Kippur will pass as thousands of Yom Kippurs have passed and after all the ram's horns have sounded, after all the shofars have been blown, and there's the deathly silence after the shofar blowing, and what's heard? Isaac's question. Isaac's question is still on the table. Where is the lamb? Where is the blood? After the sound of each shofar, there's this question. Where is God's provided lamb? Where is God's provided blood? Because this verse in Leviticus 17.11 is God's verse for Yom Kippur. This is the Yom Kippur verse. It's the, it's, the, it's the day of atonement. He said in Leviticus 17.11, it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Oh, how every rabbi at this season should preach the Lord Jesus as the lamb that Abraham promised that God would provide. How that every rabbi at this season should preach the blood of Jesus as God's provision for the atonement for the soul. Yom Kippur, the word Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Yom Day, Kippur, Yom Kippur means the day of covering. Kippur is covering. Like, like you've all seen Jewish people with the, with the, with the, with the yarmulke, with the kippah, the kippah, same word. It covers the head. So the kippah covers the head. Only the blood covers sins. If Isaac were here today with Abraham, you know what he would do? He would look at Abraham and he would say, Abraham, my father. He would say, my father, it's Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippah. And day, it's a day of covering. But where's the lamb for the Kippah? Where's the lamb for the Kippur? For a Kippur? I, he, Isaac would say, I hear a chauffeur, but I don't see a Kippah. Kippah, Kippur, 
Kippur, and Abraham would not, Abraham would, would say, he would say, actually, he wouldn't say this, he said this back then, but Abraham would not say, God will provide himself a, a lamb, Kippur, Kippur, but Abraham would say, God has provided the, the, the himself a lamb, Kippur, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this brings us to the importance of Abraham's answer. When Abraham says to Isaac, Abraham says to Isaac, Abraham, verse eight, verse, verse eight, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. When Abraham said that to Isaac, that, was, that, that God will provide, that was Abraham saying that you have to wait. You have to wait for God to provide a lamb as all of the Old Testament saints followed Abraham in that waiting for God provided the lamb. In the fullness of time, God did provide the lamb, but it took thousands of years. And those believers did wait. They waited for God's appointed lamb. And they didn't settle for religion in place of the lamb, in place of the Lord Jesus. So Abraham was cautioning Isaac to to not choose the sacrifice that you want, Isaac. Not choose the sacrifice that I want, Isaac. There's only one lamb of God, and that lamb is stated to be in Acts 4.10. Acts 4.10, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he's the stone which is set at naught by the builders, which has become the head corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. He's the only lamb. And the Lord Jesus said the same thing in John 14.6. In John 14.6, when he said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The point is that it's not just any lamb that'll do, but it's God's provided lamb. It's God's lamb. So as we look at this tabernacle here, and, 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 and the point is that, that the tabernacle is all about Yom Kippur, and because this is God's tabernacle. Some might say, some have said, well, it was Moses' tabernacle. Well, I can tell you that if Moses heard anybody refer to this as Moses' tabernacle, he would protest. And, and he would say, no, it's not Moses, it's not my tabernacle, this is God's tabernacle. And Moses would say, God told me exactly how to make every single part of this tabernacle. He showed it to me in a pattern. He said that in Exodus 25, 8, Exodus 25, 8, when God told Moses, let them make me a sanctuary. That's the key verse for the tabernacle. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. The next verse says, according to all that I will show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. And that's the theme verse for the tabernacle. That verse tells us the reason for the tabernacle. God's goal with all of this is that he wants to be with man. He wants to live with man. He wants, to, he wants to dwell with man, that they might dwell together. But there's just one problem. Everything's great except for one problem, and that problem is Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2, where God says, but your iniquities have separated between me and your God, between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So God says, there's a solution for this problem. And the solution to this problem is that, the brazen altar. That's God's solution for the problem, the blood sacrifice for man's sins. 
And that's why right at the entrance of the tabernacle, there's no going, there's no entering, there's no start with God unless there's a sacrifice. And that's why, that, that's why that without a blood sacrifice that God ordained, there's no start. And so it was so important to God that man come to God God's way. And that's why he told Moses, Moses, when you build this tabernacle, don't you deviate, Moses. Don't you, you make this tabernacle exactly the way I have told you to. Don't you introduce your own ideas, Moses. This has got to be an exact copy of the pattern that I show you. And that shows that God was intensely interested to make sure that man had the correct way to come to him. Because of man's sins, man needed a ransom. But not just any ransom. It had to be the effective ransom. Not just the ransom of his own righteousness, because that was very clear. Israel even confessed themselves in Isaiah 64, 6 about their own righteousness when it says, Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The ransom of righteousness, the ransom of good works in God's sight, that doesn't work. That's not effective as a ransom. The ransom of giving money to God, that's not effective Psalm 49.7, Psalm 49.7 says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give God a ransom for him. God being able to find a ransom for man's sins is what is so important to God and it caused a kind of a holy tension with God. There was a tension for God to find the effective ransom and God found the ransom And he found the ransom, and that ransom is described that God found in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah is all about the the, the altar and the ransom that God found. When it says in the eighth verse there, uh, 53.8, Isaiah 53.8, he, the Lord Jesus, he was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.